1: The NBA playoffs are almost here. Don't miss the big storylines and the team previews you can find every day on the Lockdown NBA podcast. Follow the Lockdown NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can uh, subscribe to Lockdown Hornets on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets at Walker Mail. And at Nada the Scribe. Nada, are we going to have to put an explicit label on this particular episode to say and to warn to everyone that whatever you might hear could be detrimental to your children's ears? Should we put that warning oh, out oh, there? Oh no, no,
0: no, 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 no. I'm gonna be but I I'm I'm not gonna be nice today. I, I'm I'm fed up. Today I'm fed up. And I'm not fed up with the Hornets because the Hornets did the best that they could and they <laughs> fell short. I'm not fed up with James Borrego because James Borrego had a situation coaching around the 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 lack of a center and injuries and no Gordon Hayward. I'm fed up with some of the sentiment, and I'm fed up with some of the sentiment from the fans. I'm fed up with some of the sentiment from local media. I'm fed up from some of the media that don't even go here, Walker. So, yeah, I'm in that – like, I'm on one Oh, too. man. I'm not even going <laughs> to lie to you. I'm on one. You really I, are. I, I, again, like, like, you already know. I've already warned you. I've warned everybody on Twitterverse. So, you know what? Forewarned is forearmed, as my good old ancestors said. So, you know what? Let's go. Okay. Charlotte Hornets.
1: They lose last night. They lose yesterday in a matinee game, not last night, 115 to 110 to the Washington Wizards. It was after they had held a double digit and then some lead going in to what was a uh, pretty good third quarter for Charlotte. They scored 34 points compared to Washington's 27. They got off to that 14 point lead in the first quarter and then relinquished some of that in the second. And you guessed it. Hornets once again struggled to score points in the fourth. They only scored 20. The sad part is that's actually more than what they did against New Orleans where they only scored 13, 14. Same thing happened against the L.A. Clippers. And P.J. Washington was good in the first half. I don't think scored a single point in the second half, going three of nine from the uh, three-point line and not hitting one in the second half. Terry Rozier provided some offense for you, 8 of 19. LaMelo Ball did the same, but they all went cold from three, only shooting 31% from distance after they had hit some shots earlier. And not it's just the same case of them squandering another opportunity that they had in one of these five games that they lost, and even more so really in the last month. Five games in a row, right? Charlotte Hornets lose, they fall all the way back to the 10 seed. This was the biggest game of the season. Whoever won this game between Washington and Charlotte, they were going to attain the 8 seed and the win and move on scenario that came with it. The loser was always going to go to the 10 seed, have to travel to Indiana, and now they're in a you lose and you go home situation they've got one more game left at least of right now possibly two and then we'll see what happens after that whether they get in the playoffs out right here's the conversation that has left you mad and that a lot of people have been having on twitter it's not dead yet right the season there's at least one more game to be played
0: wait wait wait, 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 wait. hold on hold, 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 hold on the season's not over no Not over yet. There hasn't there's there's not a sinkhole in in Spectrum Center and there's not just a giant hole like the sky is intact. Are you telling me that the sky is intact too, Walker?
1: I'm telling you that there's one more basketball game, at least to be played by the Charlotte Hornets, and it is going to come via the play in tournament. They will be on the road. It will not be the situation most people had hoped or maybe even predicted, but it will be a on the road play in tournament game against the Indiana Pacers. And the Hornets, they did squander a couple of these opportunities that they had to eventually get to the eight seed. The conversation that has left you angry, that has left a lot of people talking about it on the Twitter sphere, has been whether this season was a success. Even if the season is not over, the regular season is, and so it's kind of left us to recap how this regular season went. Some people view this as a failure because of all of the problems they had late. People are asking whether it's okay to be disappointed. People are asking whether it's been a success. This is the type of question I think most people are asking, and maybe some are having a hard time figuring it out, and maybe some people are just viewing this black and white. Nope, I'm disappointed. They finished as the 10th seed when they could have finished as the eight. Nada, what say you to all of that as I cringe and protect myself asking that question?
0: So, um, Walker, do we remember where everyone was – do we remember where the media projected this team to be? Um, a lot there were a lot of twelves. There weren't a lot of tens. Now, granted, we had slightly higher expectations than most. Locked on Panthers host Julian Council sarcastically to it to it and to an extent wanted playing. But it was us three that were really and maybe like I can throw Kyle Bailey from WFNZ in there too. But the expectations around this team, nationally and locally for the most part, were Bare minimum, absolute zero. Like there were no expectations for this season. And then something strange happened. They hit on a they hit on a lottery pick. Actually, they hit on a lottery pick in a large way. And this team blew out their 26-win projection that Vegas had, and at the same time, started raising expectations, raising the bar. Now if you – I'm saying all this to say to, – to put this to you bluntly. If you think that this season is a failure in any way, you lack logic. You lack common sense. And I struggle to see how you as in a functional – again, how you function as a genuine – just like as an adult <laughs> for the most part in like life. I'm sorry. You lack – You just lack the, just, I don't want to call people idiots, but I'm sorry. That's what you are. If you think that this season is a disappointment in any way, I'm sorry. I can't deal with you. I don't have time. However, I will say this. I am not denying you the right to be disappointed in the way that this season turned out. But if you allow this to make you look at this season as less than anything than a rousing success, I'm sorry, I have no time for you, and more importantly, you're probably someone that's trying to stoke up a whole bunch of stuff because your ratings suck and you need the clicks point blank period.
1: Thank you all listeners for helping our ratings and our numbers as a podcast. And we will use that as a tease to go into the next segment to continue this conversation. But first I want to talk to you about Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete the video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent easy and extremely fast. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsor job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply. We'll continue the conversation on how we should feel about the regular season coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast.
0: This is locked on Hornets.
1: And I was cutting a rug in that place, not a Funkmaster Flex. Shout out so to
0: him. again, Walker, how old are you again?
1: Uh, I am 28 years old.
0: <laughs> I didn't know a person under 35 used cutting a rug anymore.
1: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device, and you can check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information so you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. Head to the website. You can use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Here's how I feel, Nada. For me, at the me uh, at the at the end of the season, it was pretty disappointing to see this team go cold. PJ Fair. Washington, after having a great month, really went cold the last week and a half or so. Sure, we didn't have Miles Bridges. Lamelo Ball was. He was kind of hot and cold after coming back from that broken wrist injury, even though you commend him all the same because of the way he returned. And he still did give you some really good moments. Terry Rogier kind of got over his slump that had been happening for the previous month. The last couple of weeks he'd been playing well. But either way, the fourth quarter problems were something that had not plagued the Hornets all year long. In fact, they were the best in clutch time scenarios. And that went completely out of the window. They looked inept offensively fourth quarter. It just wasn't happening for them. They lost five games in a row, two teams that they could have beaten. And what's tough is the injuries for sure would have helped the Hornets win more games. There's just no doubt about it. I think that the Hornets were actually hurt more by injuries than other teams because that's the devil's advocate argument, right? Everyone is going to be saying, hey, it's affecting every single other franchise, which is true only to a certain extent. It's not hurting every other franchise. There are a decent amount of other teams that have been affected by injuries a lot, but the Hornets lost a $30 million a year man. PJ Washington was in and out of the lineup, getting banged up. Devonte Graham was as well. Malik Monk was as well. You lost your rookie of the year candidate, and you could argue your best player all year long in LaMelo Ball when he was there, as far as his impact on the game, you lost him for a month and a couple of weeks. That was a big damn deal. And that matters. Also, when you look at a game against the Bulls the first time, when we talked about it being the low point of the season, they didn't have Zach Levine, and yet they got destroyed like they were playing the Globetrotters. That's not okay. When you play the Pelicans and they don't have Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and you still lose, that's where the injury context goes out the window. So you can have these types of disappointments where, man, We didn't take care of anything in the fourth quarter. And New Orleans had Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jackson Hayes bringing it to us. Man, we didn't have anything against Chicago from the get-go. And they had a rookie, Patrick Williams, taking it to us. They didn't have Zach Levine. That's the disappointing part about all of this. The disappointing part about all this is getting a win against Orlando and not being able to take care of one other game to attain that eight seed that Washington gave you opportunities for. They lost to the Hawks. They didn't have Bradley Beal. You know, Indiana, they were a dumpster fire that, yes, they beat Philadelphia great on them, and you still, you still had the leg up on them that you couldn't take care of. That's a disappointment. Here's my thing. I am totally in your camp about this season being a success, and it could begin and end strictly with LaMelo Ball being on this roster. It doesn't end there. I'm telling you it could. This Hornets team needed a franchise superstar. It's exactly why they moved on from Kimba Walker, because Kimba has many great things he did with this organization. We can all love Kimba. He is absolutely the best player in franchise history. Kimba's not the number one guy on a team that's looking to go deep into the playoffs with any kind of championship aspirations. He's just not, okay? And he was getting older. That's all true with Kimba. You move on from him, and you try to start from the ground up. And out of, to your point in all of this, what you do in the last couple of years without Kimba, you hit on a couple of second-round draft picks. You get Miles and PJ who look like guys that can be a part of a team that are pieces to make that deep playoff run. And then you needed your Trae Young. Then you needed your Luka Doncic. You needed somebody like that, and you got him. You got LaMelo, someone that many people, all of the pundits, when you average their ranking, think he's really only behind Zion and Luka as a player that's under 25. That alone... Could be the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega of this discussion. Because he plays for the Charlotte Hornets, that means this season is a success, and that's not mentioning Miles taking this monstrous step, Terry Rozier having a, a career year, and so all of that. Not a, I think only enhances. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, we we. That's the thing. You have other things to put out there as to why the season was a success overall and you at least have some playoff opportunity with an atmosphere that is going to play against the Indiana Pacers in the 10 seed and so for all of that I agree with you this season overall was a success even if the last the ending of the season was pretty damn disappointing
0: look at this point like and here, here you know the crazy thing about this season and I thought about it as you were talking we can put this on like People had dead legs, and this is why I kind of think that uh, I, there's, there's a part of me that really wants to address the small ball lineup and why P.J. looks so bad is because at cert, after, after a while, your legs are going to be dead, especially if you're playing 5-7 and seven for most nights. I'm sorry. The fact that the best P.J. we got this year was a stretch where he missed, what, I want to say about a week? With his with his brain, and then he came back, right? Came back and started hitting shots. It's almost like the schedule was built for teams to wear down and fail at some point. And unfortunately, Terry never got that rest. PJ never got that rest. And it wasn't like. And the thing is, and I hate to say, they're tired when everybody's tired. But it it hurts you when you're tired and you're small. And that's what happened with this team at the end of the season. A lot again, because I just go back to that fourth quarter in in Washington, where they were getting stops. But what happened? Robin Lopez would go get a rebound. Russell Westbrook would go get a rebound. They couldn't clear the boards at all, and that's where the fatal flaw of not having a big that could rebound, not have again, Cody being un- unreliable to seal on the boards, PJ being unreliable unre- to seal on the boards. Biz being an absolute liability on offense to not put him out there. Like, that's where this team died. And that's where this team, when you talk about the legs, like this, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to put it as this was bad luck. This was a bunch of unfortunate circumstances that just caused things to happen in a Hornets like fashion over and over again. But it kind of was. You didn't have your best defense. You didn't have your best perimeter defender in Cody Martin for the the stretch. You had you basically went the last twenty something games without Gordon Hayward, and you were sixteen again. You were eight and sixteen in those games, and then at the same time, this team just didn't have a center, and it feels like this team grew up in a way in the worst possible way which was to lose all these close games and have all these unfortunate turnovers and to just basically not close. And then Miss Miles Bridges because Miss Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham in key points, because if Miles Bridges plays any of these games before the Knicks game, we're talking about them being an eighth and we're talking about a Boston matchup.
1: Yeah, he if, would have helped. There's no doubt.
0: If we had Devontae Graham for one of those games, we're talking about eighth, and we're talking about a Boston match. And,
1: and I'm it's, less sure of that, but it certainly would have helped.
0: <laughs> like, I'm just at the point where I want to tell people it's nobody's fault. This is a just unfortunate cer- set of circumstances. But if you guys want, and it goes back to what I was saying in the first segment, if you want to go this season as a failure and not look at the context and not look at the horrible set of luck that happened to this team late, then I really have no time for you. I have no time for your thoughts. I have no t- time for your opinions. And quite frankly, I think you're an idiot.
1: Okay, I've got time for you guys. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. not a still reeling from the interaction on Twitter. And we'll continue that conversation on the other side of the break. I want to talk a little bit about the small ball lineup, the personnel, and what's gone on with the Hornets this year as we look ahead to their play-in game tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers. But first, let's talk about Bilt Bar because you already know this. They've got nine delicious flavors. Flavors and the occasional limited time flavor. My favorite is. Everything because it's all covered in chocolate. And I'm a chocolate fiend. And because they're soft and easy to chew, along with putting them surrounded by chocolate, it makes it my favorite and the best energy bar out there on the market. Plus, they're good for your health high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calorie. It's great stuff. And you can go to builtbar.com and use that promo code locked15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code locked15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. We'll continue the pain, but also a nice game that's. Coming up in postseason play tomorrow. That conversation up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I said, Oh, oh, hell yeah. Just giving that confirmation of how awesome this is going to be, you tweeted at me. You're going to be singing the chorus to Billie Jean if you ain't careful. <laughs> and again, I point to the lie. Yes, I, you're, well, yeah, you're right. This goes back to our first conversation. There's a yes, lot of babies does. being had exactly. out there. Goodness gracious, <laughs> <laughs> unexpected exactly. ones. Point ones to the lie. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, how worried should Lakers fans be about their road back to the finals? Get more of the sports news you need and less time with the Locked On Today podcast. You can follow the Locked On Today pod on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So let's combine a conversation about James brego and the personnel on this team, Nada. Okay, let's do it. You discussed the small ball lineup, and I think you've been a lot more worried just about the general center position on this team longer than I have, and you've been more worried about that just with a greater emphasis more than I have. Here's the reason why I don't think that it's been as big of a deal as people have made it out to be because it, you know, people have talked about it like it's the number one problem and that's, what's been holding them back so much. I mean, I watch Cody Zeller and there are problems with him. He's not perfect. Post defense isn't great. He's never been an outstanding rebounder and that's all true. I do think he can make up for that in the ability to switch somewhat. He has a better athletic profile than a lot of other centers out there. He's not a unicorn, right? We're not calling him that. And and I'm just saying he's not towards the end of the spectrum on athleticism. We can see him gear up and go dunk it on your head every once in a while. I just think Cody is someone that is an adequate NBA center, even still even if it doesn't mean that we shouldn't go after more help. I also, we should, we should get a better rebounder. We should get somebody that provides some big man depth. And I definitely hear your point about not giving PJ all of those minutes at small ball five, because that's a real thing. Players, players, a lot of times players will hate playing a position above what they're used to, right. As we kind of go down to the modern NBA age, because they got to defend some of those big guys and it wears on them. You hear it a lot with stars all the time would rather play power forward or small forward instead of center or power forward. We see that all the time. And it would be nice to give PJ a little bit of a break on that end, but the lineups with him at five were really good. And They were really good. And offensively, certainly when he was hitting shots and the percentage from three-point land isn't bad at all. It's good from P.J. all season. You know, that's something that gives opposing defenses some real problems, even if they do have a rebounding advantage. So for me, when we look at positive numbers in a pretty significant way with P.J. at the five and a somewhat neutral rating and somewhat even positive with Cody at the five, the biggest problem was Biz. And that's the problem I have with James, it, James Brago. I called him on a first name basis. Don't know why I did that. That's the problem I have with JB is, is the playing of guys that to me are pretty clearly worse. And that's what happened with Bismack Biombo. I think that's happened with Malik. I didn't love McDaniels not getting as much time, even with some bad turnovers here and there, but they still didn't come plentiful. They just came at bad moments. And that's the problem I had with Borrego even saying, I learned this season to not necessarily pull guys after one mistake. I still feel like he does that. And so, I, I, I like Borrego. I'm not trying to fight him and, and, and say, hey, this is what you should be doing hardcore to the point where I sh- we should fire him outright. But th- those are some of the problems I had. And yet still, I think Borrego overall did a pretty positive job. Most of it having to do with adaptation and player development.
0: Here's the thing. Uh, and I hear what you're saying. I completely understand what you're saying. I think we – and this goes back to what we've talked about before. We know what J.B. values at the center position. Rebounding, shot blocking, protecting the rim. Paint point – eliminating paint points is his number one thing. What are are some of the worst traits for Cody Zeller?
1: Yeah. It's that.
0: It's that. Like – if you're not going to be able to rebound and you're not going to be able to seal and you're not going to be able to defend the rim, you're not very valuable to James Borrego. But, but not that a, a, doesn't a that mean it? that
1: he should uh, – That that's the thing I don't like about just coaching philosophy in general it's trying to make players adhere to your game plan rather than changing your game plan to the players that you have on the roster. And I don't even know if that's something he does constantly. I think he does do it a little with the center position, but also he adapts with PJ playing the five and he could actually protect the rim a little bit, but you're supposed to emphasize your player's strengths, not ask them to do their weaknesses.
0: Oh, I don't disagree with you. Like that's where I'm at with it. I don't fully disagree with you on this. Where I where I think I might like <sighs> I get where you're coming from, and this is where James Brago needs to adapt. But on the counter to that, the folks that have adapted have done have flourished. So we're gonna make an exception for Cody Zeller when Terry Terry Rogier adapted his game, got better. Devontae Graham adapted his game, got better. Um, Miles Bridges adapted his game, got better. P.J. adapted his game, was given a little bit too much too soon in the second year.
1: But defensively, you could say, yeah, defensively he got better,
0: no doubt. Got better. So we're going to hold that against, if that's going to be the only black mark against James Brego this year was... Not having, not liking the center, the center choices that he had. Yo, I'm kind of willing to let it slide on that. Yeah. I'm
1: letting this slide. I'm letting it slide too, because I don't don't want to fire Borrego. I have said it a million times this year. My problem with Borrego is that he tinkers with the lineups a little too much when I feel pretty comfortable in what the hierarchy is of talent on this roster. And he'll still try to go some wild lineup. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I'll give Borrego credit for, even if it took a little too long, in my opinion, he finally did start to lean in with the PJ at five. He started to put miles in space and allow him him to uh, you know, one develop just on his own. Miles deserves credit for that himself. But also, we started to put Miles in some favorable situations that that filled his skill set. Right? We Terry really blossomed offensively this year, and I think we put some backcourt guys in situations that allowed them to to be better. It, it's it's the sitting of guys. It's the rotation and tinkering with it too much that has always made had a, I've had a problem with when it comes to firing them. Like I, that conversation has been out there too much. Borrego doesn't need to be fired. To me, you see people talk about this all the time. The number one aspect of NBA coaching is your relationship and your ability to to relate to players and to have a good communication channel both ways with them. And I think Borrego is a master at that. I I do. I think he is one of the best in the NBA at communicating, having players understand their role, getting players to buy in, even with Terry Rozier's interesting comment at the end, I think we've become too predictable at the end of fourth quarters. Um, you know, I, I do agree. It, I do agree. with Well, that. and w- what's what's also funny about that? I, I know I'm I'm sorry for not being focused. I'm doing the whole squirrel and losing my attention on my main point. But with that comment, you know, it is kind of funny. Like after timeouts. And in situations like we'd go to Terry a lot. <laughs> and it's just funny. The guy that we That's- would go to a lot. He's the one saying, yeah, we've become too predictable as the season go- has gone on. So I, I just kind of found that interesting. Um, either way, I think Borrego does a great job at relating to the players. And, and with that being such an important part of NBA coaching, I think that's the reason why you hold on to Borrego and even feel good about him going forward as long as he continues to you know learn and, and figure some stuff out, him being still a pretty young head coach.
0: Here, here's the thing. Uh, again, I'll address the two predictable. I, I think you can't. You be, have to become predictable when guys are consistently in and out of the lineup and you can only rely on one guy right now to hit clutch shots. If Gordon Hayward were there, it'd be a little bit easier to run stuff off because that last play that, that led to the Devontae three, that was supposed to be Terry. And you know what Washington did? Washington chased the bo- chased him off the ball, got the ball out of Terry's hands, and made the ball move to Devontae. Well, and, and that even that secondary
1: option three. for Devontae. No, and you're right. Like that wasn't even a bad secondary option. Dell was saying this too. Maybe you show that and let your defender fly away. But you know, I don't. Okay, like Devontae, the, the worst thing in that situation would be to hold on to the ball and not get a shot off. And so, which is
0: what they did. Right, previous in previous possession. Right. So, like that's where I'm just like. Okay, I get your point, but I hate to go back to the Vegas wins thing. But this coach is now beating the Vegas odds. Guys that know more than Joe Fan. Now, three years in a row. So you're going to tell me that you're going to fire a dude that in the first two years when he wasn't even supposed to be trying to win, just building a culture. You're telling me to fire that guy for for underperforming and being under 500 when that was the entire friggin' point then he wasn't supposed to win this year exceeds expectations again and then now we're going to fire him for for what for for who who's going to take this job what you want again who do you want to take this job if and that's a thing and you know what I, I'm going to open myself up to this but if you're going to be stupid I'm going to block you on this. <laughs> if you new rule, if you uh, are going to tell me to fire Borrego, the next person has to has to come up with a name in, to replace him with. Because like, who who are you going to replace him with? Yeah, what you going to bring Darwin Ham here? Like, who's going to want this job <laughs> if you're going to fire the guy that's exceeded expectations? three years in a row.
1: So all of this kind of serves as the regular season recap episode. And we can look at what we're going to do against the Indiana Pacers tomorrow with that play in game. But overall, yeah, I, I think we, ag- I agree with you, Nada. Like, I don't think anybody, we shouldn't be firing a James Borrego right now. I'll say this as we're kind of looking at this regular season recap next year, that's when the expectations happen, right? That's, that's when, and we've said that all along, That's when we look to, there needs to be a step taken. LaMelo ball hopefully improves, right? Like a couple of these guys take that step up because this is such a young team. And next year will be a different season than we've had the last two. Now we've, we've got some talent to work with. We've even got some depth. We'll see what happens in the off season as to the new add-ons and just basically who they keep but now you've got some things to work with for Borrego and Mitch Kupchak and this Hornets team and we'll see what they do but man it, it will be very different compared to what we've had kind of the last 2 years not and that's that that'll be interesting to see how all this No that that's absolutely out.
0: the most interesting part. This is the most interesting offseason they've had in quite a while since at least 2016. This is the most important offseason that they've had. And how they handle this and how they spend their money and who they choose to keep and who they choose to let go and who they choose to trade and who they choose to draft, it all matters. But on Mm -hmm. your point, to your point, I can hear firing Borrego if there's a slow start, if if guys start giving up, if the message gets stale, because this will be year four for him. So if we're talking about a guy that underwhelms to start the season – Yo, I can understand a firing, but now, what's the point? For who? For what? You can't justify the firing right now, and no one's gonna come and work for this organization if you fire a guy that's overachieved three straight years. Point blank. Period.
1: Yeah, it, it's 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 not it's not gonna happen. I mean, look, pe- people might even. It, it might even just be that the portion that does want him fired is just very loud. I I think that's probably happening more so than the masses feeling that way, but it's not going to happen. It, it's just, it, there's, there's no shot unless something crazy unforeseen happens off of the court. Like that's, it's not, it's not happening. Borrego for what he's done on the court, Mitch Kupchak, the Charlotte Hornets, you're going to keep them in place at least for another season. And then if it doesn't go how you want it to next year, then I think you're seriously having that conversation. Um, And then we'll see what happens after that. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Go check out Locked On NBA. We're doing playoff previews. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Hollinger and Duncan, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. Hopefully you will uh, not get yelled at by Nada if you decide to comment on anything that he had to say in today's podcast. We'll be back with you tomorrow to preview the play-in game.